Hi and welcome to Squaring the Circle, a podcast about how business owners in the creative industry balance the art and the business. Joe Gallant, welcome to Squaring the Circle. How are you? Yes, I am very good. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah, it's been a long time, long time coming. We, I think it was late last year that we originally had this in the diary. So thank you for coming back. I haven't put you off. Um, looking forward to the chat. <laughs> It's a case of uh, two busy freelancers trying to work around each other's diaries, I think. Exactly, exactly that. Um, I would like to I'd like to start by asking you um, a simple question. Um, what is acting like a design diva? Oh, that's a good one. So this, this is something that you've got from my website. I've got a few sort of do's and don'ts that, that I've set out with with my, my business. Um, and one of them is I don't act like a design diva, or at least I, I try my best not to. I think I've been in situations myself and definitely heard about situations where when creative differences arise on a project, um, whatever stage, whether that's you know early concepts and ideas or whether it's literally right at the end trying to polish things off, the person on the design side or the person on the creative side um, just sticking so hardcore to their ideas not being willing to let it go at all and it's it's a really difficult one because you've got like the customer's always right and that's definitely not the case with creative things because people are paying you for your time people are paying you for the work you're doing but they're also paying for your expertise right um but there's also a line of just because they might not necessarily be right on this occasion doesn't mean that you are and doesn't mean that there's not a compromise in the middle I guess it's a case of choosing your battles. Is is probably the best way that I can I can sum it up. Um, I I love how polite you were there, creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has that been has that because we anybody who's been in business a reasonable amount of time has has been through that mm. difficult, well, not even one conversation, two or three conversations where um, there's just. You just can't agree on things, but of course, mm. um, from their point, from the client's point of view, yes, they're paying for the expertise, but they're also, from their point of view, <laughs> paying so you don't disagree with them <laughs> because they're the paying <laughs> client. So I find yeah. it so I find it really really difficult um, to get that balance right. Is there anything mm. that over the years that you've found that works in terms of maybe? certain things to say or, or processes that you go through? Not in a formal sense of a process. I think one thing that stuck with me, and I can't remember where I heard it, probably on one of the many, many Zoom networking calls over over lockdown, um, was that nothing is, is neutral. There, there's no sort of neutral reaction. Um, so if you send an email back to a client, they are going to have either a positive or a negative reaction to that. And so trying to at least reread what you've written before you send it and check that they are going to come away with a slightly better impression of you rather than the slightly worse impression. Now that might still be that you're disagreeing with them, but it's just being gentle and, and careful with, with how you do that because sometimes you do need to be blunt, but you can still do that without being potentially hurtful, let's say, um, and destroying the relationship because ultimately that's not going to benefit you for the rest of the project because you're you're going to be at each other in trying to resolve any further creative differences down the project. It will just get harder. But also going forward, you know, they're going to take a worse 
um, perception of you away from it. That hurts your brand awareness on on the whole. Um, and they're probably not going to recommend you, even if they might actually be really happy with the final result. Um, but they're not as happy with the process or how you got there. Mm. But where, where do you draw the line on that? Because mm. um, if you if you've come to a bit of a roadblock with a client, where's the mm. point where you think, right, well, I I want to keep this client happy. Um, mm. But in order to do that, I've just got to basically give up my creativity and and just agree with them and then just finish the project. So you but you mm -hmm. say you finish a project potentially with the client being reasonably happy, but you're not happy with your work. Um, and obviously yeah. you can't show that you can't put that on your website potentially because you're not you 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 weren't that happy with it. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, wh where do you where where's that line? That's a good question. I I do actually as part of my um, processes I try to have once or twice a year where I'll go through and look back at last projects and as much as I can rate out of 10 how happy I think the client was with the the project as a whole and then out of 10 how happy I was with it and some of that will come down to pricing some of that will come down to the relationship and final result and all those things we talked about um and you know I, I may be completely wrong and actually they were really unhappy with it and I thought they were thrilled you know but um I think that's a helpful thing as a reflection in terms of where the line is, I think that really depends on the client. It really depends on the relationship that you have with them, the discussions you've had. Um, often that's easier to gauge over the phone or over Zoom than it is over email. Um, you know, I think that body language can be quite telling. Um, but it will depend on, on the project. And actually, it will depend on, again, it's that thing of pick your battles. So, so how important is it? If they're suggesting something which is potentially really harmful for their business that actually they're going to have invested all this money in a branding or a web project and they're asking for something which is going to not give that return on investment at all and actually take them in the wrong direction then again just because I make them happy in the short term they're not going to be happy in the long term um, because their website isn't working for them so so that money was wasted um, so there might be things if it's a bigger thing where I will assertively hopefully with reasoning to back it up try and persuade them if they come back and they're not sure hopefully go a bit further but at the end of the day they are paying the bills so if we've had those discussions if i've tried to explain it in the best way gently but also you know assertively and they still can't see it then ultimately that's on them and if it did come back to bite them then we've got that recorded you know wh whether it's by phone or zoom or email follow it up with some notes as well so we've got it in writing and you can clearly see you've made that decision not me you said yeah a couple of minutes ago about once or twice a year you like to reflect on the projects oh, i love this mm. you go you give a score out of 10 what what you think they would give and and what you mm. would give from your point of view um i really love that idea actually um pushing back on that uh mm. do you ever check with the client because the reason um, why i say that is the reason why I say that is because um, I think it would be, yes, reflection is really important, but unless you actually know from their point of view, mm. it's just, it's just your opinion on both things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess not in as black and white a sense as, as saying how happy out of 10. <laughs> um, I obviously ask for um, a testimonial Maybe I should be more active about asking for for feedback as well. 
Um, I've had a couple of cases where people have just, well, I've had lots of cases where people haven't got around to leaving a testimonial and therefore you don't really know. And there's only so many times you can ask because that mm -hmm. happens. And that's, you know, the reality of running a business these days. Um, but I have had a couple of cases where I've pushed a few times and said, you know, I quite like that testimonial I've, I've asked for three times. Um, <laughs> and they've come back and said, no. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, let's dig deeper into this. At the same time as not wanting to upset them and not wanting to sort of probe too deeply. But if it was me, I'd, I'd want to know that that person cared about what I thought of how the project went. Interesting. No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to take that upon um well i'm going to try and put that into my business actually the reflecting mm. once or especially the the um the mark out of 10 is i think it's really powerful actually because it's because yeah. so because so so much of freelance work is signing off a job and not reflecting on it because you're on to the next you're on mm. to the next yeah, so yeah just just having that space is really important i think um and Where it's a privilege do you... to do because you have to carve out time for that. And the time that you're doing that reflection, you're not getting paid for. <laughs> it's it's not the same as in a salary job where you could take that reflective time and put it back. You know, you are you are having to make a sacrifice potentially. And it sometimes feels a little bit like pretentious of like having what are you doing, what are you working on this week? Oh well, I'm doing my business review, sort of thing. Like, but I try to make it something that I can enjoy. So I'll quite often go and sit in Weatherspoons for the day get you know a cheap cheap lunch and actually do it with a pint so it's a relaxed activity rather than something i want to put off and therefore not get around to doing um there's also i think as well as the marks out of 10 which which are helpful i try at the suggestion of a, a business coach who suggested this quite a while ago um try to record things which are a little bit more uh Again, feelings based, I guess, a little bit more holistically about about the whole project and the whole client relationship. So um, things which are easy to define. So what type of client they were, what type of person they were, how the relationship went. So I can get an idea of who my better, more ideal clients are, but also just the feelings that come to mind when I think of that client. Is it dread? Is it panic? Is it actually, no, I love that project. I'm really motivated by it and bring those things in as well. So I try and record some um, sort of, things that went well on the project, some things which didn't go so well, and then potentially some lessons I can learn from it. Because otherwise we can reflect on something all day, but unless we actually put it into something that we can take forward and you know action, it does then become a little bit self-fulfilling, a bit of a waste of time. Mm. Self-defeating. So how do you how do you actually record the reflections in? Um as in how do I how do I write them down? Or I I I used to have them on a big bit of paper along a grid for each client. Where I'd record sort of how happy I was with the price, the pluses, the minuses, the lessons, the reflections. Um, I've recently put that into uh, Airtable, which is what I use to um, sort of have a database of my invoices and my clients and the websites and everything. So it's linked into that now, um, and that makes it quicker and obviously means I can refer back to it easier rather than having to dig out that sheet of paper every year. Mm, yeah, oh, I love that. Um, right, that's on my to-do list now. So there we go. If nothing else. <laughs> I'll ask you. I'll ask you in six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope I've done it. Um, where do your we've we've chatted um, offline, you know, um, in networking, but and also one to ones, and you'll mm. be here um, and there. Um, and you always strike me as someone who um, takes inspiration from lots of mediums so film music you know lots of creative pursuit do you want to talk, mm. talk a bit 
more about that you know where does your influence where does your creative influence come from and how does that impact your design work that's really helpful because i think if we don't try and keep ourselves open to, to that sort of thing then ultimately our work ends up looking the same um so yeah i, I i've always loved um, tv and comedy growing up i can't necessarily see that that has a direct impact on my uh on the branding or web design as such but i think especially when it comes to creating content um just having that broader understanding of the world which comes from watching stuff even just from america you know <laughs> being able to appreciate cultural references and and make decisions based on that on, on what you're writing what you're creating um i've i've got a you know bookshelf behind me which has got a lot of books about design a lot of books about websites and magazines and stuff but it's also got um stuff which i just like to look at and sometimes just need that as a as a break and as a as a refresher so there's um a book with the art of wally on there which i think is an absolutely beautiful film it has nothing to do with websites at all. <laughs> um but it is something that's inspirational um and probably those things do have an impact on the way that i design visually but it's all very much indirect and just a coming together a melting pot of all of those influences that, that have an impact on it um i can't say that it's like a uh a discipline that i actively go and seek out inspiration i think the times i do that are when i have a particular project that i'm not feeling very inspired by or i have a rough idea in mind but i just need something to trigger that a bit more um but yeah i it's not something that i sort of set in to do every week or every month because i'd end up just not doing it and then it becomes a chore rather than a joy is it always a case of looking looking for inspiration or can you sometimes if you take a step back and take a bit of a break well i'd like to talk a bit about work life balance a bit later but so just sort hmm. of feeding into that maybe um when you take a break from work do you hmm. do you feel refreshed in terms of creativity or is it or do you always have to sort of get inspiration from looking at things and, and take inspiration from that yeah i think taking a break is really helpful i had a friend who um as soon as the lockdown rules released a bit in 2020 he's like right we're going out walking i'm like okay go go out for a walk but you don't live that near me sort of thing. you know no we're going out for a walk so like, we we did like a bit of wild camping um we yeah we've done miles and miles um in the years since then um and that's something i do find refreshing um because i'm not actively thinking about work in that time um and it's it's easy to switch off from it um i think it's it's difficult to to balance when things are going a little bit mad and all the clients come back to you at the same time with changes and clients that you haven't heard from for two or three years suddenly pop up right at the wrong time for you i think that's when i start to become a bit overwhelmed and it's harder to take a step back at those points, but it's more necessary um, just to just to give yourself the breathing space, I think. And when you do get overwhelmed, have you uh, do you have um, do you have methods uh, uh, or, or, you know, do you push back against clients and say, you know, this is this is the timeline. Um, how good are mm. you at that? Um, or, yeah, have, have you got sort of tried and trusted things that you do to stop you, yourself being overwhelmed? 
Yeah, I think timeline wise, most of my clients don't come to me with like a really set um, important timeline. So there's usually enough flexibility in that. Um, and I, I try to, you know, I build that into the project estimates as well. So it's not all at the same time. Um, I think one of the things um, <laughs> I sort of realized I'd been doing it for ages before someone put a name to it. And I thought I like that is productive procrastination. Um, so when you're feeling really overwhelmed and just hit a mental block with a project, rather than just burying your head or spending the rest of the day on the Xbox, work on something else instead. And often that will be enough to overcome that that block. And you actually might come back to the original project anyway, feeling a bit more inspired. Um, I think the other thing is, for me is I've built up quite a good network in terms of support. Um, I realized a while back, again, through discussions with a business coach that I was giving a lot out, but not necessarily taking a lot in, uh, in terms of support. Um, so I have a group of people that I'll meet with once a month. Um, there's four of us, we're all Christians, we're all creative freelancers. So we have those things in common. Um, and we'll just catch up on the projects that we're working on. Um, not just work-wise, you know, life updates as well. And then we'll have a time praying together. Um, and I think great, like that's one of the, business values I have which isn't on my website it's not necessarily something I would share publicly he says sharing it on a podcast but um I do I commit to praying for my clients um that's especially true of the ones that I find really difficult to work with um you know one of my one of my um values and thoughts is how can I show love to the clients and that's especially the case when it's really hard to show love to them <laughs> um and so that's something as well just that that um, sort of overarching trust in God that actually it might be difficult right now it might be overwhelming but I'm also really grateful for all of the work that I've got um, you know it's it's a tough time but it's a blessing as well mm. how um, how important is or has been aligning your your faith with your business mm. because seemingly you're ticking both boxes there because you're you're a web designer so you're sort of scratching that itch in terms of creativity but also mm. obviously faith is incredibly important to you um and mm. you've managed to merge the two it seems um i was going to say has that been a blessing excuse the pun but that <laughs> um so presumably that's been incredible incredibly important for you um over the last few yeah. years yeah i think First of all, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that my business necessarily has to be working in an outwardly, uh, I guess, an outwardly Christian way in, in as much as I don't only have to be working with Christian clients. I don't only have to be working with, with churches. That's I, I don't judge any Christian who has a business that they want to run with those values, but in a completely secular environment at all. Um, but for me, I suppose when you say I've merged them, the truth is that one kind of came out of the other anyway. Um, so I was working for a church when I graduated. Um, I, I did a, an apprenticeship there for two years and that had all sorts um, of roles within it, some of which were creative, some of which were not really, um, or at least some of which were design, video, web creative, and some of which were the sort of creativity that comes from you know managing teams of people and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't like to be exclusive with creativity, but it was through through that work that I realized that I really enjoyed graphic design and web design. And so my degree had been in 
video in TV production, but I moved away from that um, and knew that I wanted to help churches as part of my um, as part of my business plan going forward. Um, that isn't exclusively a sort of spiritual decision. I think there's also some business sense in it, in that there was a gap in the market there. Um, I'm by no means the only person who's out there working with churches on on these these things, these disciplines. But I think the way I do it is quite different to a lot of them. Um, you know, having that holistic view of a website where you come in and before you're talking about design and pages, you're you're thinking about what you actually want to achieve with it, and then seeing it through right through to content and launching it and doing some training and handover. At the time, that isn't necessarily what churches were getting for for the money um so so that sort of led led it but at the same time i never particularly intended to work exclusively with churches um would that be a sustainable business model maybe um it would be a lot a lot harder mm. um and so yeah in that in that sense in terms of who i work with it it's kind of always been there since i've, I've been in the business in terms of the values, I think that hit home a lot more when um, four or five years ago, I went full time with the business. And before I did that, I sort of sat down and listed out values um, because I think at that point, it would have been very easy to just kind of say yes to everything um, for, for the paycheck and not be focused in what I wanted to achieve. And I think starting off with those values in mind, which do align with with my faith because you're not going to create values that don't align <laughs> with with your beliefs um was really helpful and as part of that review process that i mentioned earlier going back over those values and and checking whether i am actually living up to them whether there are things that have changed whether there are things that i need to add to it as well mm, interesting so you said that you started going full-time four or five years ago hmm. so two two-pronged part of this question mm-hmm. um where does where did now where does your satisfaction come from running your business and has that changed over that four or five years okay so now i very much enjoy like i said not just working with churches but having the variety um that is something i find satisfying because again that's another way of doing that productive procrastination um because if you're if you're finding one thing frustrating then the chances are the other thing you're working on is very very different mm. um i think satisfaction in terms of i guess getting into that work life balance as well so not having to work too much um so that i can make time you know i've got um a baby who's going to be one in a couple of weeks um, I've been really privileged to be working from home and to be able to say, do you know what, actually, now I'm going to put this on hold for the afternoon and just spend time with with her and my wife. Um, that's not something that everyone can do, so I don't take that for granted. Um, I guess satisfaction has to include financially as well, because if it's not paying the bills, if I'm not getting enough money in to justify doing what I'm doing, then I can't say that it's it's satisfying because I'm going to have to be looking for something else. Um, so I guess, yeah, that, that sort of rounded approach um, to it. Um, I think less so these days, the 
creative satisfaction of seeing a project that I'm really proud of. And like, that's still important, but it's not quite as uh, central as it used to be, um, especially when I sort of first went full time, because I still, I had a body of work behind me going into that full time. Um, but it was still very much the pressure to create and have stuff which looks good to attract other people. Um, and I don't feel that quite so much these days. Um, I think that over time you obviously gain confidence, but also that reduces the pressure a bit as well. Mm. So, so what, what, what I'm hearing then is at the, <laughs> at the, at the very start, the, the, the buzz came from the creativity, the, the seeing the projects through. Now, mm. seemingly, the satisfaction and the buzz comes from how how settled you are, um, mm. how financially viable the business is, how how efficient potentially the business is running. The fact that you can take the odd afternoon off here and mm. there, and it doesn't. Um, and so just the whole thing is, has shifted essentially I'm not away from creativity because you're doing that yeah, day in day out but where the where the focus is I suppose mm. Mm. yeah I think I think that's fair I, I still find creative satisfaction in, in what I'm doing I think yeah. it's a, a job which is very hard to do if you don't um, I still want to make sure that whilst the client's needs are the most important part of it that it can be done in a way which is really visually appealing which is beautiful and hopefully is going to look really good on my portfolio um but at the same time that portfolio is is kind of it's there but actually i think part of that as well is having built up a network of people having built up um you know that that past list of, of clients and the word of mouth and everything like that is you don't have to worry quite so much about is the last job going to be what what gets me my next job you know so you so you you so you're saying that you don't feel you don't worry too much about where the next job is coming from so that's definitely the case it's definitely that i don't have to um i don't feel the need to worry quite as much about where the next job's coming from um and that particularly is surprising after the last year when my wife's been on maternity leave and so our income's gone down you know our, our savings have gone down a bit um but I think that over time, the confidence has grown. I think at, at the time when I went full-time and launched as, as B. Gallant, my wife was, she was just finishing her PhD, but she started a full-time job. So we had that secure income there. Um, we were living with my in-laws. Um, no, we weren't. We were living with my parents. Don't tell them that. Um, but because of that, it wasn't, there, objectively, there wasn't as much pressure to instantly build the right level of income from my business um you know we ended up getting a mortgage and my salary contribution to that as it were was about two thousand pounds because i'd been working in a, a paye role and then suddenly i had about three months worth of income to go towards their mortgage by the end of the tax year um so it wasn't as um as important but at the same time i felt a lot more pressure um, because it's at the start of this adventure and you don't want it to end. <laughs> um, you don't want to spend sort of six months, a year trying your hardest and ultimately it then comes crashing down and you go, okay, I'm going to have to find another job or do what I was hoping not to do. Um, 
so there was that pressure mentally even though it was only me really putting it on myself and I think over time as I can trust that the right clients will come in um because I've experienced that you know I've experienced times when I've been really busy I've experienced times when I've been quiet sometimes really quiet um but you get through it you know you ride those waves um so yeah I think that is something which is hard to learn in any other way than just going through it and and it taking the time to learn that lesson and going through it multiple times as well probably in in the same yeah. year you know it's, it's not mm. one of those that well I've, I'm going to be quiet for a month and then I'll never be quiet ever again you just because you just never know do you, you can have I know that about six months ago I had two or three what I would call my main clients on retainer mm. within mm. a month both say and I sort of saw it coming with one of them said um <laughs> yeah essentially we're um we, we've run out of money and that's that <laughs> um yeah. and 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 you sort of think but what that period did teach me is that firstly you're only in control of certain things and you can only do so much per day and you've just got to yeah. just carry on carry on um potentially do what um, has worked before um that got you through mm -hmm. and and do what actually got you those clients in the in the first place as well so yeah yeah definitely i think that covid was a, a massive thing for that because on the outside especially with web design being a digital thing like for a photographer like yourself it's obvious that you're going to be shut in your house so you can try to diversify you can try to do some different things but you can't go out and do your main income whereas mine i could carry on working as usual so people assume that as soon as lockdown hit that my business just went through the roof. And I'm sure there are a lot of web designers out there who did, but mine didn't because I work with um, small businesses. I work with charities who their income went down. So suddenly then they're, they're not able to invest. You know, you have projects which were about to go ahead, which just get canceled overnight. Um, and then even when people can afford it through that whole period where there was just this uncertainty, people didn't want to commit to things because they didn't know whether lockdown was going to last six weeks, six months, six years, you know? Um, so that was one of those waves to ride and it was a big one um and again like you say trying things that you've done before um some of those things weren't weren't possible but some of them moved online so that's when i started doing a lot of online networking and building a lot of relationships some of which are people that i haven't spoken to since 2020 some of them people i'm still talking to today like like yourself um so yeah it's it's a case of strategizing but again like you say there, there are things which aren't in your control as well and if you spend your life obsessing over those and worrying over those then you're just going to run out of energy to actually do the work mm. um just before we go on to the final three uh more quick mm. fire questions i just want to ask <laughs> um the, the sort of the final one before that um mm. you you strike me as someone who you know, runs a very efficient business incredibly good at what you do so i would have thought you have looked to the Thank future <laughs> uh, that's that's the perception you give off um so the <laughs> my my question is if you if you're if you've looked to the future what does the future of your business look like is it do you see yourself just you in the business or do you or are you are you looking to scale are you looking to employ people um yeah what what does the future look like that's a good question i used to think that the only acceptable answer to that was that you build an agency and you have a team of all these people and you get bigger and bigger projects and 
actually, even in some networking events, <laughs> if people directly ask that question and that wasn't your answer, you've definitely felt judged for it. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that it's always going to be exactly the same as this because I don't, I don't know that. Um, but that's not really my ambition. It wasn't my aim in getting to it. You know, I, I want to um, do creative things that serve my clients not just run a business for the sake of running a business um so absolutely if you want to go down that agency route then you know more power to you but it's it's not really what my aim is um i think you end up inevitably getting sucked into other things which may be things you want to do but it becomes more about people management it becomes more about client management than necessarily doing the direct work um and that's just not really what what I want to what I want to do. Um, so I've I've got friends who are in other creative disciplines who are sort of thinking about going that route. And it's like, great if you want to do it. I hundred percent believe in you. I know that you'll be able to do it. But just be sure that it's what you actually want, and you're not doing it just because, like I said, you kind of think it's the right answer to the question. I was speaking to a friend the other day, and they were saying that if you're a, if you're a, if there's one person in the business. Think how nimble your business is. You know, you can literally mm. overnight change what you offer. Mm. If you add more people to that, it's like a big um, ship. It just takes ages to turn. One decision just takes mm. ages um, uh, for for anything to happen after that. So, yeah, there is mm. there is something to That's be said for be, for being nimble. I think. Mm. Mm. I think the the sort of necessary asterisk to that is that that doesn't mean you can just rest on your laurels and you know that that is how you end up going out of date <laughs> and and having to um you know very quickly make a decision to do something else because you realize that that ship has sailed um to you know keep using the analogy so i think you know you could say 20 years ago you could have looked at maybe 30 years ago you could have looked at photography and thought oh, that's never going to change and then look where we are today with you know, digital photography which would barely have been heard of at that time and retouching you know seeing and all that sort of thing and probably that same 30 or 40 years ago you could talk about web design and no one would know what you were talking about um so i'm i'm happy where i am i don't i don't see that there's need in change just for the sake of change but also you've got to just be aware of keeping up with things you've got to look at what tools are coming out look at where the technology is going and try and keep up with that um now that's something that i'm not great at doing on a regular discipline basis but because i have enough of an interest and a passion still for what i do i am keeping up with it i'm keeping in the loop and things like ai tools and that that's going to be a massive shift in, in to be honest in most industries definitely in in web design um and and graphic design but already i'm seeing advantages of those tools that i can use to help me be more efficient to help my clients um that's not to say wholesale i don't have to do any work anymore because the ai does it for me you know but it's it's just that way of keeping up just keeping an eye on what's going on so that you don't get left behind mm, yeah well we we've nearly come to the end um and and you mentioned AI there, and I would have thought mm. if I touch upon AI, that would be a conversation that's going to run and run and run about an hour. Yeah, so we've got we've got another like hour or two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But maybe maybe that can be part two. Maybe we we come mm -hmm. back um, and have and have another go and start with the AI. But just before then, uh, we're going to go into the final three questions. Um, 
And this is going to be fascinating uh, to see what you uh, come up with on, on this one. So how do you define success um, and what does it look like for you and your business? I think um, there's probably a lot of crossover with um, what we talked about satisfaction. Um, so financially has to come into it um, because if you don't have that level of financially financial success to to make it viable, to keep going, then the other success isn't, isn't going to be there either. Um I think having clients that go away satisfied as much as I can possibly, you know, not control, but help that, um, that's, that's a big thing. Um, again, because that's, that is a success factor for me personally, but it also just for the business in general, that it's not going to grow if people are going away, not happy and not recommending. Um, and then those things of, of that, um, I've never particularly liked the, the phrase work-life balance because it, it implies that work is not a part of life in general and, and you know that you have to sort of put these things against each other but but however you want to phrase it sort of those things working around each other um and making sure that um general life stuff isn't sort of taking away from from work and being distracting but also that that work fits into its right place and it's not the most important thing in my life um i don't think there are many people who would say that it is um that's not to say that you can't love work that you can't enjoy it um, but there are other things that I love and enjoy more. Lovely. Thank you. Um, so the next one, next question for your chosen profession, what is a mm. book um, or resource that has to, has had, should I say, has had the biggest impact on you? Okay. I'm going to do honorable mentions here. Okay. <laughs> um, so first one, brand thinking uh, by Debbie Millman. That's really helpful um in a format as much as the the content so it's lots of very short interviews with um designers and uh leading sort of brand um uh, strategists from different industries that's really helpful because you're getting like a distilled um you know three pages of their thoughts um from from all these interviews that debbie's conducted um i've got there's a couple of books by drew de soto um called know your onions um, so this is a graphic design one. Um, funnily enough, <laughs> through noticing a spelling error in this first book and and pointing it out to him because that's the arrogant person I am on Twitter, um, I ended up proofreading the second and third books in in the series for him. Um, they're, they're kind of basics of getting into the industry um, and the skills, but they go enough in depth that it's helpful for, for anyone as a, as a refresher. So they've been really good. Um, and then another one in the same style as as the um, brand thinking one. Um, I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, but Monica Kanakova. Um, so this is called This Year Will Be Different. And this um, is less about the actual what you're doing, but the approach of being a freelancer and trying to take that into a full-time um, pursuit. So I think that was really helpful to me. But the, the number one um, is by Bonnie Siegler, um, and that's called Dear Client. I don't know if you've come across this one before, but it's it's written, it's it's mainly, I'd say it's mainly about graphic design, but definitely applicable to all creatives because it's written from the perspective of letters to your clients and helping them to get the most out of their relationship with you. Um, so kind of explaining how the process works and how um, just working with creative people works. What makes creative people tick? And therefore, how can you as a client yeah, just get the most out of that. So that's that's a really helpful book. And, um, you know, even thinking about that today has 
reminded me I need to go back and give it a reread. Excellent. Well, that, they... To be honest, that's probably where the nothing neutral comes from, <laughs> thinking yeah. about it. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Right. Just before the last question, where can people find you on social media or maybe they can look up your website too? Yeah, sure. So um, my website is begallant.uk um, and all of my social things, if you go to begallant.uk forward slash connect, I've got a list of my social links and LinkedIn and everything. So yeah, people can find me there. Amazing. Thank you very much. Right, Joe, we've come to the last question. So in one sentence, what one piece of advice would you give to a person starting in your industry? I don't want this to sound pretentious. Oh, but... <laughs> yeah, we've come this far. Um, right, expect the waves and ride them out. And so that's to say that there will be waves, there will be ups and downs. You don't know how big they're going to be, you don't know how long they're going to be. So don't be surprised by them, but trust that you, through your ability, through your experience, you know, whatever you're trusting, that you will be able to ride them out. Um, you know, for me, I've mentioned my faith. Um, I do trust that God provides, and that is a, a part of that confidence. Um, but not worrying about where the next paycheck is coming from, not worrying about where the next client is coming from. Of course, you still work towards it, but just being able to relax a little bit and trust, and just know that if there is, if you're on a down, that it won't be a down wave forever. And that is a beautifully positive way i think to, to end the chat so joe from began thank you so much uh for this conversation i loved it thanks ben thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast if you've hated it keep quiet but if you've loved it you can support the show by sharing it with anyone who may love it too have a nice one and i'll see you next time for another episode of squaring the circle